Hello and welcome to D Dialogue Gospel Study. I'm Rebecca Deschweinitz and as a member of the Dialogue Foundation Board, I'm pleased to welcome you to our lesson today on Ether 1 through 5 with our guest instructor, Ben Shalati. Board Chair Michael Austin is working tech as usual and will also be helping out with our discussion today. We invite everyone joining live on Zoom or Facebook to post comments and ask questions through the chat function or the comment function on um, the live Facebook stream. We love hearing or reading your insights and bringing some of your thoughts into our conversation. As always, please be respectful and relevant as you participate. If you've missed previous lessons, they are all available on the Dialogue YouTube channel and through our podcast network. Both can be accessed at our website, dialoguejournal.com, where you can also find the entire 50 plus years of the journal. Our most recent fall 2020 issue is now live at the website. It features articles by James Faulkner, Jenny Webb, Colby Townsend, William Davis, amazing art by Kalani Tonga, Camille Stark, Naaman Bills and Trevor Southey, a sermon by former dialogue editor Boyd Peterson, and so much more. If you enjoy these gospel study lessons and dialogues, other longstanding efforts to promote diverse perspectives and some of the faith's most vibrant thinking, we invite you to help support our mission and initiatives. Click on the donate link at dialoguejournal.com or use the phone number in chat. We are thrilled to have Dr. Ben Shalati teaching us today. He's coming to us uh, live from Dialogue founder Eugene England's study, which just seems perfect. Dr. Shalati uh, works as an honor code administrator and adjunct professor at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. He holds three degrees from BYU, a bachelor's degree in Latin American studies, a master's in Hispanic linguistics, and a master's in social work. He also earned a PhD in second language acquisition and teaching from the University of Arizona. Ben learned Spanish and Portuguese during his mission in Chihuahua, Mexico, and when he lived in Bolivia, Peru, and Portugal. He put his language abilities to good use by teaching Spanish for a decade at middle school, high school, and college levels. In 2015, Ben began blogging about his experiences as a gay Latter-day Saint. During his time in Arizona, he created a support community for LBGTQ Latter-day Saints in the Tucson area. He co-hosts the podcast Questions from the Closet with his friend Charlie Bird and is the author of the forthcoming book, a Walk in My Shoes, questions I'm often asked as a gay Latter-day Saint, which will be released by Desert Book uh, this coming January, 2021. We are so grateful to Ben for his willingness to share his insights and for his preparation today. As with any Latter-day Saint scripture study class, the views expressed in this lesson will be those of the individual teacher and do not necessarily reflect those of the Dialogue Foundation, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, BYU, or any other organization. We begin today with music, arranged and performed by Eric Jeffrey Hales. Eric Jeffrey Hales is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and an openly gay man. He currently works as a therapist for the Deseret Industries and as a group therapist for individuals working through substance use related issues. His music is an extension of his journal. Each hymn is a summary of a difficult moment and testifies of God's goodness and of his caring and endlessly supportive character. After our music, McKay Bryson will offer the opening prayer McKay is studying information systems at BYU graduating next month. 
He is currently a program director at the Ballard Center for Social Impact at BYU, where he connects students to internships with socially minded organizations. In a normal year, McKay would be cooking Thai food for everyone and anyone. He is currently looking forward to reaching a quarter century in age and becoming an uncle for the third time. joy and my 
Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so, so grateful to gather here together today virtually, um, however many of us there are, and to uh, hear from each other's stories and perspectives and uh, help, help us have this spirit so that we can learn what we need to apply in our own lives. We're especially mindful coming towards Thanksgiving of the coronavirus um, and help ourselves and all of our family members and the people that will be getting together to stay safe for the next few weeks as we prepare for that. Um, uh, we'd like to also be mindful of the people in Utah, but also the people globally who are sick and please uh, be mindful of them uh, and help them heal in these tough times. Um, uh, as we go throughout our week this week, please help us notice opportunities to serve the people around us and to connect uh, with their hearts and to understand their needs better. Uh, we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, McKay, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, Rebecca and Michael, for um, for all the tech you're doing and all those fun things. Uh, I've shared my screen now, I believe. All right, um, and I'm really excited to be here today with, uh, with all of you uh, who are listening virtually and following along. Um, I, I was so excited, I actually got dressed up for everyone. I'm fully wearing a suit and even dress shoes. That's how much I was interested in, in, in excited for this opportunity. And I'm really looking forward to talking today about uh, the book of, of Ether and the, the first part of it. And I'm calling this a case study in personal revelation. And I hope that as, uh, as I talk today that we can all see ways that, that God talks to us, can talk to us and, and will talk to us in the future, uh, just as he spoke to the brother of Jared and to the Jaredites. Um, so I need to just move this, okay. Um, so the, the book of, uh, of Ether starts out with the Jaredites at the, at the Tower of Babel. Uh, and then the brother Jared has this, has this immense vision of everything that ever happened in the history of the world. And it's a, it's a remarkable vision, but we hear really very little about it in, in the scriptures. We're mostly just told uh, a bunch of ways that we can't know um, what's in the vision until later. And in Ether 4.7, uh, it, uh, it says this, And in that day, the Gentiles, so our day, shall exercise faith in me, saith the Lord, even as the brother of Jared did, that they may become sanctified in me. Then will I manifest unto them the things which the brother of Jared saw, even to the enfolding unto them all my revelations, saith Jesus Christ. And this is our invitation to have faith like the brother of Jared did. And when we do that, we will have uh, visions like he had, and we'll know all the revelations that, that Jesus Christ has for us. And so as I talk today, I just want to want us to think about these four questions. What was the brother of Jared's faith like? And how was that kind of faith developed? What is the connection between faith and sanctification? And what is it that God wants to teach us now? So these are some questions to ponder. Uh, so let's go right to let's see right to the narrative all right um so in ether chapter one uh we don't get very many details about what's going on in the story we just know that the lord is confounding the languages of the people it's a time of great chaos and uh it seems like like jared and and his brother are, are pretty scared 
And for some reason, and this, the text doesn't tell us why, Jared doesn't want to approach the Lord or doesn't approach the Lord. Instead, he asks his brother to approach the Lord. And he says that the brother, it says the brother Jared was, was a large and mighty man. So I guess maybe tall, strong people are better at getting their prayers answered. I don't know. Uh, and so the first prayer that, that, that Jared asks his brother to offer is to, is to the Lord to say, don't confound our language uh, so that we can survive in this time of chaos. Uh, and it says that the Lord had compassion on, on the brother Jared and answered their prayer. So after that prayer is answered, uh, then Jared goes to the brother and says, hey, could you ask God to not confound the language of our friends? And the brother Jared goes and approaches the Lord and the Lord doesn't confound the language of their friends either. And so after these two experiences of their request being granted uh, in Ether uh, chapter 1, uh, 38 and 40, uh, we get this third prayer. And it says, and it came to pass that Jared spake unto his brother saying, go and inquire of the Lord, whether he will drive us out of the land. And if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him, whether we shall go. And who knoweth, but the Lord will carry us forth into a land which is choice above all the earth. And if it so be, let us be faithful unto the Lord that we may receive it for our inheritance. And it came to pass that the brother Jared did cry unto the Lord, according to that which had been spoken by the mouth of Jared. And it came to pass that the Lord did hear the brother of Jared and had compassion on him. So three times we have a prayer and three times it says that, that when that prayer was offered, that the Lord had compassion on the brother of Jared. And I, I, I love this, this, this third prayer that, that is offered because Jared is saying, you know, maybe God will lead us out of this land and maybe he'll lead us to the best land. He's asking for something that he's, he's getting confidence to ask the Lord for more and more each time. That, that's what it seems to me. Uh, and then in the in the last verse of chapter one, uh, there's this line that says, and, th and this is the Lord speaking, and thus I will do unto thee, because this long time ye have cried unto me. And I thought that was a really odd reason for the Lord to say that he's answering the prayer of the brother of Jared, because he's cried unto him for so long, uh, especially when previously it had said that the Lord had compassion uh, on the brother of Jared, and that's why he, he had answered his prayers. And so as I thought about um, households to our day, you know, there was, there was this chaos, and they were trying to avoid this chaos. They were trying to, to stay together with their family and friends. They were trying to not be confounded. They were trying to be able to continue to communicate with each other. I thought about our day, how there is a lot of confusion and chaos in our world as well, and how in many ways we are confounded, and we are, like our relationships with our family and our friends uh, can be strained and tough. And, and this prayer that we can offer, you know, Lord, don't confound us. Keep us safe in this chaos. Keep our family and our friends safe and take us maybe to a place that's the best place, a place that, 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 that you've never taken anyone before. And so I just want, want you to think about these questions. Uh, when have you had the confidence to approach God with one of your desires? And as you, as you have received answers to prayers, what impressions have you had about why God answered them? I just want to share a story from my life, and I'll let, I'll let uh, some of the, the, the panelists uh, answer as well. Uh, so when the pandemic started, when the, when the shutdown started in March, I, I had to leave my house. I, I was living here in this house with, with Charlotte, England, and it just wasn't safe for me to be here. And uh, there wasn't a way for us to have a separate space at the time. And so I went to Arizona for a few weeks and, and stayed with some friends. And then I just felt like I needed to go home. So I, I went to my parents' house in Seattle and spent about two months there. And uh, while I was there, I, I got to a point where I just, I had to come back to Provo. Like my, my life is here in Provo and I just knew I had to come back, uh, but I didn't have a place to live. And I knew I wasn't gonna be homeless. Like I knew I could rent a place. Like, what, like there were plenty of places I could stay, but I just really wanted to like be with a family. Like I wanted to, to, to be with someone that was really gonna be my family. And so I prayed a lot to know where I should go. 
And I was talking to my friend, uh, Laura, one day, who's not a member of the church. And she, uh, she was telling me how, how she didn't like her job and she just wasn't sure what to do with her, with her career. And I said, well, you know, when I have a question, sometimes I read the Book of Mormon and that helps me. I said, maybe you could like read the Book of John or something. And while you read the Book of John, you'll, you'll receive inspiration. And she said, no, that doesn't seem like something I would do. Maybe I'll read uh, Mr. Rogers' biography or something. I said, great, sure, do that. Uh, but I thought, well, I, I made this invitation to my friend. Maybe I should do it. So I, I, I started reading the book of John and I, and I prayed that by the end of reading, I would know where to live. And when I, start, when I opened up John chapter one, um, I was shocked when a few of the disciples asked Jesus, where do you live? And he said, come and see. I thought, oh, maybe this will work. Maybe I will know where to live uh, when this is all over. And so I finished reading the book of John. I, I knelt down and said a, a really sincere prayer, just like asking God where I should live. And someone who had offered to let me stay at her house was my friend Heidi. Now Heidi and I had been had, had been friends and had hung out many times, but we weren't we weren't especially close. And I'd never even been to her house. And so I thought it was very kind of her to offer offer a room to me in her house. But I thought, but it just seemed like an offer I wouldn't take. But as I prayed, I just really felt that I was supposed to go to Heidi's house, which seemed like a really uh, odd odd answer and and surprisingly specific. Uh, so when I was returning to Provo, it turned out that Heidi couldn't have me stay at her house my first few days in Provo. So I stayed with another friend. And while I was there, I thought, you know, maybe I should just stay here. Like we're having a great time. I feel comfortable here. And I remember this impression I had to stay at Heidi's house. And so I, I, I went to Heidi's house two days after getting to Provo. And a few days after being there, I was getting ready for bed one night. It was about midnight. And I got a text from Heidi. And she said that she was having a really tough night and just asked if I would pray for her. And so I immediately responded and I offered five things that I could do to help. And in the middle of the text, I said, I, and I can give you a blessing if you would like, not wanting to sound so pretentious as to just offer a blessing. I, I couched it in other requests or other offers. And she immediately texted back and said, I would really like a blessing. So I got dressed up and we met in the living room and I gave her a blessing. And three times during the blessing, I felt impressed to say, that God had led me to her house so that she wouldn't have to be alone that night. That was really tough for her. And I was too embarrassed to say that. It just sounded so pretentious. And so I didn't. And then as soon as the blessing was over, I realized I had missed an important prompting. And so I said, Heidi, God wanted me to be here with you tonight. Like, like he, he sent me here and he sent me here, you know, weeks ago. And, uh, and that, that was a really powerful, um, lesson for me that God would send me to where to where I needed to be and Heidi and I have become even better friends since then I stayed with her for, you, for a few weeks and then I was eventually able to, to move back in, into Charlotte's house and Heidi has been someone who's really enriched my life I have a picture of us here just uh, last week raking leaves uh, we raked leaves for uh, more than two hours and got a lot done Heidi was happy and, and and ready to help the whole time and so to answer the second question as you have received answers to prayers what impressions have you had about why God answered them and with this specific prayer, where should I live? Um, the impression I received is that God answered that prayer because he needed two of his children uh, to be with each other and to form a stronger relationship. Uh, so for, for the panelists, uh, what, what thoughts have, have you guys had about uh, when you've had confidence to approach God with one of your desires and, and how, and as you receive those answers, what impressions have you had about why God answered them? I have a quick story as well. Um, back in 2013, I was searching for my first teaching job and I had lots of interviews, but 
Um, I'm very shy, so I did not interview very well. <laughs> and so I wasn't getting a job. And I had a middle school principal call me and set up an interview with me. And I was shocked because I wanted to be early elementary. But I felt prompted to accept the interview. And I went in feeling more confident because I didn't care as much. Anyway, long story short, I get offered the job to teach sixth grade science. And I had to pray about it because um, my desire was to be in elementary school. And I had a strong impression as I prayed to accept that job. And so I approached that year, much trepidation, but in January of that year, we found out that a nearby elementary school was closing and our school was going to consolidate them, take them in. And I had an easy opening to just change grade levels the following year. And so although I had a very rough first year of teaching, Heavenly Father knew that's where I needed to be to put me where I currently am now and where I am in love with my job. Thank you, Diana. I love that. Any other thoughts? I'm thinking about that first question, Ben. When have you had the confidence to approach God with one of your desires? And um, in my mind, my gut, my gut feeling about that is that I always feel like I have the confidence to go to God. It's the, once I get an answer, do I have the confidence to follow up? Um, I just think your story and Diana's story, the answer that you get when you pray is really often unexpected. It's not what you would choose yourself. So it, uh, the problem, yeah, it seems to be the confidence after you get the answer, being sure that, that, that you heard it, God right, and that you really should go down that path. Yeah, thank you, McKay. And I think this is an important part of, of prayer and seeking revelation, uh, that we have the confidence to, to act on that revelation. I, you know, I think it was really bold of Jared to ask his brother to say, you know, maybe God will lead us to the very best place, the choicest land. You know, that's bold. Uh, but then they had to have the courage and the confidence to actually follow through with that. And so, um, you know, as we look at what the faith of the brother of Jared was like, it was a faith where he, he had confidence to approach God, confidence to approach him multiple times, and then the confidence to do the things that he, that he was asked to do. Um, and that faith was developed over time. You know, they didn't ask for to go to the, the, the best land ever at first. Um, first, they asked to, for just their personal protection and then the protection of the people that love them. And then they asked for something grander. Uh, so the, the Jaredites, uh, the, the, the Lord guided them. And so in, in Ether, in Ether 2.5, um, it says, the Lord did go before them and did talk with them as he stood in a cloud and gave them directions whether they should go. And then in verse 6, it says that they were being directed continually by the hand of the Lord. So the Lord was with them. And then after four years, uh, they get to the, the seashore and they're camped there for four years. And this is when we get that fun word Deseret, which means honeybee. And as I was reading this, I thought, I think the only time bees are mentioned in the Book of Mormon are when it talks about uh, the Le Lehi's family getting to the, the land bountiful and that there's wild honey there. And I don't know anything about Jaredite geography and very little about Lehite geography, uh, but I wonder if these were the same bees. And I think that's kind of neat. Uh, so after being camped for, for four years, years, uh, the, the brother Jared approaches the Lord and the Lord chastens him for three hours. And it says, because the brother Jared remembered not to call upon the Lord. Now, I don't know. Once again, we don't have a lot of details in the text, but I wonder if they were supposed to be there for four years, if they were supposed to be camped on the seashore for four years, maybe the Lord was ready to take them to the promised land earlier, 
but he didn't because the brother Jared remembered not to call upon the Lord. And I wonder, you know, are there, are there blessings that the Lord has for us now or has for us maybe sooner than, than, than we might think? Uh, if we can just remember him and remember to call on him. And so after being chastened by the Lord, uh, the Lord gives the brother Jared a number of, of specific instructions. And in Ether 2.16, he gets this specific instruction from the Lord. He says, go to work and build after the manner of barges, which you have hitherto built. So go build the, go build the, the barges you built before. And then it says in, in Ether 2.18, and oh Lord, I have performed the work which thou hast commanded me. And so we get this, we get this fun dialogic relationship with the brother of with the brother of Jared and the Lord in, in uh, Ether 2 and 3, where the Lord asks the brother of Jared to do something. He does it, and he says, I did it, Lord. Now what do you want me to do? And the Lord tells him something to do, and then he does it. And then he says, Okay, now what do you want me to do? And so after building the barges, he has uh, two problems. The barges have no air and no light. And uh, at, at first, uh, he approaches the Lord and says, what do I do? And the Lord tells them exactly what to do so they can have air. And then after he does that, he says, Lord, I did what you asked me to do. Now what do I do about the problem of no light? And instead of telling him what to do, uh, the Lord tells him exactly the things that won't work. He tells them that they can't build fire. And he tells them that they can't build windows because the windows will be dashed to pieces. And then in Ether 2.25, after telling the brother of Jared all, all things that won't work so they can have light, the Lord says this in the last verse in chapter 2. It says, and, and behold, I prepare you against these things, for you cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea and the winds which have gone forth and the floods which shall come. Therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you that ye may have light when ye are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? And when, when I was uh, studying these chapters recently, you know, I thought that it, it was the brother of Jared who, who figured out the solution. And what the Lord is telling him, telling him here is like, you can't do this without me. Like, I'm going to do this for you. So what do you want me to prepare for you? And so what the, what the brother of Jared does is together with the Lord, uh, he, he creates something. And I, I love, I love this, this, uh, this quote from Richard G. Scott about, about prayers and how sometimes prayers are answered and how sometimes they aren't. So Elder Scott said back in uh, 1989, when I was just a little kid, uh, he said, when he answers yes, it is to give us confidence. When he answers no, it is to prevent error. When he withholds an answer, it is to have us grow through faith in, in him, obedience to his commandments and a willingness to act on truth. We are expected to assume accountability by acting on a decision that is consistent with his teachings pr uh, without prior confirmation. We are not to sit passively waiting or to murmur because the Lord has not spoken. We are to act. Most often we have chosen to do, most often what we have chosen to do is right. He will confirm the correctness of our choices his way. That confirmation generally comes through packets of help found along the way. We discover them by being spiritually sensitive. They're like notes from a loving heavenly father as evidence of his approval. And I love that th this confidence that elder Scott is expressing that the Lord has in us, that most often the thing that we have chosen is right. And so we don't necessarily need the Lord's guidance all the time because we're going to choose what's right. More often than not, the children of God do the right thing. And then as we make the right choice, he will give us these little packets of, of, of help along the way that will confirm that the decision we've made is right. And that's how, that's what I found to be true in my life too, that more often than not, the Lord doesn't give me specific guidance. My, my experience with Heidi was, was a really unusual experience where I felt a specific I felt very specifically what to do more often than not. God just lets me make the choice because he trusts me. 
And this is very similar to what it says in Doctrine and Covenants section 58. I have a picture of Joseph Smith, definitely the most handsome version of Joseph Smith. That's why I picked this one. Uh, and in Doctrine and Covenants 58, verse 26, it says, For behold, it is not meet that I should command in all things. For he that is compelled in all things, the same as a slothful and not a wise servant. Wherefore, he receiveth no reward. Verily I say, men should be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of their own free will and bring to pass much righteousness. For the powers in them wherein they are agents unto themselves, and inasmuch as men do good, they shall in no wise lose their reward. Once again, this confidence that God's not going to tell us what to do, but he's going to trust us and the powers in us to do a lot of good of our own free will. And so the brother Jared used his own free will uh, to, to co-create something with God. And uh, I, have, I have a picture here of, of uh, a resemblance of, of what the stones were that the brother Jared created. And, and I liked it because it's so small and, and held in hands. And that, the hands to me are, are really important. And in Ether chapter three, verse one, it says this. And it came to pass that the brother Jared, now the number of the vessels which he had prepared was eight, went forth unto the mount, which they called the Mount Shelem, because of, because of its exceeding height, and did molten out of a rock 16 small stones, and they were white and clear, even as transparent glass. And he did carry them in his hands upon the top of the mountain, and on the, on the top of the mount. And so we don't know much about these stones. All we know is that they're small and they're clear and white and transparent. And the, the only location we have is that, that the brother Jared has them in his hands on the top of the mountain. And the, the painting I've often seen of, of the brother Jared seeing the finger of the Lord is the, these stones are like out on like a stone table altar thing. And, and then, uh, and, but I like the idea of, of when the brother Jared prays, he's holding these stones in his hand and presenting them to the Lord. And, you know, we don't know, there aren't a lot of details, but that, that's the image I like of, of creating something with God and saying, here, God, uh, re reach out your finger and touch this. And so then in Ether chapter three, or in Ether three, four, um, the brother Jared offers a long prayer. And this is part of the prayer. He says, and now, O Lord, uh, that, and, and I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power and can do whatsoever thou wilt for the benefit of man. Therefore, touch these stones, O Lord, with thy finger and prepare them that they may shine forth in darkness, that they may shine forth unto us in the vessels which we have prepared, that we may have lights while we, while, while we shall cross the sea. So in the last chapter, the Lord said, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to prepare for you? And so the brother of Jared then prepares these stones that he takes out of the earth and asks the Lord to touch them so they can shine forth. And I think this is, this is a really beautiful metaphor of the things that we do in our lives. You know, what are the things that we are creating that we are then asking God to reach out and, and touch with his finger? And, and then the Lord reaches his hand through the veil and touches this creation that the brother of Jared had so that, that it can shine forth and give them light. So I, I want you to think about these questions. You know, what are the things that you are creating and how can God touch and sanctify your creation so that it gives light into the world? Um, I've got another story to share. So I have a book coming out um, in, in just under two months uh, through Deseret Book. It's called A Walk in My Shoes. And I just want to tell you like uh, how this has become a creation of mine. Uh, so for a couple of years, I've really wanted to write a book about my experiences as a gay Latter-day Saint. And it was a big undertaking. And so I just kind of didn't do it. And uh, about two years ago, I was sweeping my kitchen one day and my friend Beth called me and we were talking. She said, Ben, you know, you really need to write a book. And I said, I've been feeling that too. I should write a book. And she promised that she, she loves editing and writing. She promised that she would help me every step of the way. I said, great, I'm going to do it. 
And then for a year, I did nothing. Did absolutely nothing for a year. Uh, and then uh, a year ago this past summer, the summer of 2019, I wrote a proposal for Deseret Book uh, about a book I wanted to write and sent it off to them. And a few weeks later, they wrote back and said, we're very busy. We might look at your proposal in the fall. And I was like, well, that's a polite no. Uh, and so I just didn't, so I didn't do anything. And then uh, in, in November of last year, just about a year ago, I was praying really fervently about this blessing that I wanted. And I got a, what I felt was a strong rebuke from the Lord as I was praying. And the feeling I got, if I were to put it into words was, Ben, I told you to write a book and you didn't do that. And I was like, oh shoot, maybe I should start to write a book. And then I didn't do it. And then a few weeks later, uh, I got an email back from Desert Book and they said, we read your proposal. We really liked it. Please send us your manuscript. I wrote them back and I said, uh, I didn't do anything. I don't have a manuscript to send you. And they said, well, we'd like to see it as soon as possible. And so I said, can you give me a couple of weeks to write a few chapters and then maybe I can give you a whole manuscript by the end of the year. And so I, I was devastated, just absolutely devastated. I felt prompted to do something for so long and that had just been ignoring the promptings. And so for a week, I just wrote like crazy and it was terrible, terrible writing. And I remember sending it to my, to my friend Beth and Beth said, Ben, it sounds like you're trying to write a book for Deseret Book. You're not writing, you're not writing your book. You're writing the book that they think they, they you think that they want. And so I thought, yes, I have to start over. So I just got rid of everything I had written. And uh, and I asked one of my one of my friends to to give me a blessing. And my, my big fear, which I had not expressed to him, was that there was some divine timeline that I was supposed to do this and have it ready. And because I'd been lazy, it wasn't ready. And that I was messing up this timeline that maybe people who needed to hear my words um, weren't gonna have them because I, I had procrastinated for so long. And in the blessing, he told me that, um, that, that this was the Lord's work and not my work. And I didn't need to worry because God would give hope to anyone who needed hope. That I didn't need to worry about, about being anyone's savior. And then that day after I got the blessing, I, uh, I, I went out to lunch with some friends and I got this uh, little uh, a fortune and a fortune cookie. And it says, you are capable, competent, creative, careful, prove it. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so in six weeks with the help of my friend, Beth, uh, I, I wrote this book. And when I sent out to Desert Book, you, you know, when you write something, often you know that it's not quite right. And I knew the ending wasn't right. I just knew it wasn't right. But I had to send it off. So I just sent it off. And then after it got approved, I was able to do some editing. And I finally figured out how I was supposed to end the book. And I ended it talking about the brother of Jared, and these 16 small stones. And I realized, you know, this book is, it's, it's my gift to try and give light to the world. Um, but in the end, like, it's not about me, like, in no way am I going to give light to the world. The only way that any light will come from this is if the Lord reaches out and touches it with his hands. And so I prayed fervently that that would happen. And then as I, as I shared the final manuscript with Beth, um, each, each chapter of the book is based on a question that I get asked as a gay Latter-day Saint. And, and, Beth, and Beth pointed out to me, she said, Ben, the brother Jared created 16 stones and you have 16 questions in your book that you attempt to answer. And she said, I think that uh, is not a coincidence. And so um, I hope that, that, that my book is something that, that God will touch and sanctify uh, so that it can give some light to the world. So, so for the, the panelists here, what are some of the things that you are creating and how do you hope that God will, will touch, touch and sanctify your creation so that it gives light to the world?
If no one has any thoughts, I can just keep yakking. Well, I think um, those of us at Dialogue like to think that uh, these lessons are something that we're creating to give light to the world. And, um, you know, we, we have put a lot of effort into bringing people like Ben Shalady um, in, into our orbit to, uh, to try to, to create something beautiful and enlightening. And thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. So we have comments saying things like my children, um, others have shared some other thoughts related uh, that I think are related both to this question as well as to some other things that you've asked um, that, that we often find ourselves moving um, towards something that we think is good and maybe even something terrible happens in the meantime. Um, but then as we act, uh, things unfold and the failure is alchemized. And I love Margaret Young um, offering that term and incorporated then into the design. Um, so I really love that thought. I also am really struck by uh, listening to you. Uh, so often it's all about friends, right? You, you talk about these important experiences with friends and you ask the question, how can God touch and sanctify your creation? And, and then it's often through friends, right? Um, and that we can be that for each other uh, and recognizing um, that kind of sanctifying divine power that we have within ourselves um, as we help each other move toward our desires. Definitely. Rebecca, I love that because, you know, what does God want to sanctify more than our, our relationships, our relationships that are going to be eternal, that are going to help us build Zion. And yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. All right. Um, so in, in Ether chapter four, after we go through the whole, uh, the, the whole experience of, of Jared seeing, uh, the brother of Jared seeing the Lord and, and, the, the, and the Lord ministering to him, in, in chapter four, um, Moroni writes to us in our day, and he, and he shares some, some of the voice of, of the Lord. And it says, uh, Ether 4, 14 and 15. Come unto me, O ye house of Israel, and it shall be made manifest unto you how great things the Father hath laid up for you from the foundation of the world. And it hath not come unto you because of unbelief. Behold, when ye shall rend that veil of unbelief, which doth cause you to remain in your awful state of wickedness and hardness of heart and blindness of mind, then shall the great and marvelous things which have been hid up from the foundation of the world from you. Yea, when, when ye shall call upon the Father in my name with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, then shall ye know that the Father hath remembered the covenant which he made unto your fathers, O house of Israel. And there's this really beautiful invitation to rend this veil of unbelief, this veil that, that keeps us from, from believing in and whatever it is that, that we're having trouble believing in, um, so that God can reveal to us things that have been hidden from the foundation of the world. Uh, God is ready to, to, if we just will believe, he's ready to give us so much more. And this is also echoed in Doctrine and Covenants 121 uh, in some verses penned by Joseph Smith when he was in Liberty Jail. This is the less attractive Joseph Smith painting, but still good. Um, and in verse 26 of 121, uh, the Lord says, God shall give unto you knowledge by his Holy Spirit. 
yea, by the unspeakable gift of the Holy Ghost that has not been revealed since the world was until now, which our fathers have awaited with anxious expectation to be revealed in the last times, which their minds were pointed to by the angels as held in reserve for the fullness of their glory. How long can rolling waters remain impure? What power shall stay the heavens? And once again, we have this invitation that there are things that God is going to re reveal in the last days that have never been revealed. And I, I love this verse, chapter, verse 33, it says, how long can rolling waters remain impure? You know, this, this, the, the restoration as it, as it rolls forward, uh, there are impurities in, in what we do. Um, you know, we are not a perfect people. And as we roll forward, you know, we cannot stay the power of heaven. God is anxious to give us so much more light and knowledge. And as I think about uh, the children of Israel uh, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, you know, they weren't supposed to wander for that long. The, God was ready to give them the promised land, uh, but they didn't want it. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And so God said, if they don't want to go, they don't get to go. They're all going to stay here in, in the wilderness and then their kids get to go to the promised land. And I wonder what promised land God has ready for us a promised land that has never been revealed before, um, that, that God is just ready to give us if we will rend the veil of unbelief and, and believe that, uh, in what he has to give us. And um, President Nelson uh, talked about this in his very first uh, conference address to, to the whole church uh, in April of 2018. He said this, to be sure, there may be times when you feel as though the heavens are closed, but I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for every blessing the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Every, every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles will follow. That is what personal revelation will do for you. Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory, but in coming days, it will not be possible to, to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of, of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I asked at the beginning of this lesson, you know, what, what is the connection between faith and sanctification? And as, as we act in faith, God sanctifies us. He makes us more holy. And I believe that as a, as a church, as a people, you know, as a Zion community, uh, as we act in faith, God is continuing to sanctify us. And I love this promise from Elder, from uh, President Nelson, that some of the Lord's mightiest works will happen between now and the second coming. And, you know, this isn't a ride that I want to get off of, because I think the next 5, 10, 15, 30 years in the church are going to be absolutely remarkable and really exciting. Um, and so, so I'm curious, like, what questions do you have for the Lord? What, what are some of the things that, that the Lord hasn't answered uh, that, that you want to have answered? And so when I submitted my, the manuscript for, for my book in, uh, in, in January of this year, uh, I thought, great, I'm done. I did the thing I felt prompted to do, and I'm going to do something else that is, and I'm, I'm going to take a break. Uh, and then uh, about two weeks after I submitted my manuscript, I got a, I got a message from one of my friends. Uh, I had recently been on a panel at BYU um, about reconciling faith and sexual orientation. And uh, a, a number of BYU students had submitted questions 
about uh, that, that they wanted to have answered that they were that they were that they were pondering and the panel wasn't very long it was a little over an hour and we didn't have time to get to hardly any of the questions and so my friend knew about this and she messaged me and she said ben i'm a single mom i'm not going to be able to come to any of these panels ever could you just start a podcast where you just discuss questions and i said no i do not want to do that that is not something i i don't know how to start a podcast i'm not interested in that and uh, but it was a nice thought from her so i went to church this was on a sunday morning so i went to church and as i was sitting in the sacrament meeting, I thought, oh, shoot, that is the thing. I, that is something I can do. And so uh, together with my friend Charlie, we started this podcast called Questions from the Closet. And each episode is based on a question. And I, I just have listed here some of the questions that, 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 we've, that we've discussed on the podcast. And we're very clear that we're not trying to answer the question. We're just discussing it. And every episode we have a guest on. And so here are some of the questions that, that were submitted by the BYU students. How do I reconcile my patriarchal blessing? Should I stay single and celibate? What should I do if I think a family member is gay? How do I navigate the family proclamation? How can I be an LGBTQ plus ally while supporting church teachings? What is my place in the plan of salvation? And you know, some of these questions have to do with, you know, what do I do going forward? How do I fit in? How do I deal with this doctrine that, has, that is painful to me? How do I help the people I care about? You know, these are sincere questions that people in the church are asking. And you know, I'm not I'm not going to say that I have any answers to any of these questions, uh, but the Lord does, and the Lord has so much to teach us, um, and He's going to reveal things in this dispensation that have never been revealed before. And sometimes I get accused, and I think the word "accused" is appropriate. I get accused of saying that the church should allow gay marriage, and that is never what I have been saying. Um, all I've been saying is the church has a lot more, or that God has a lot more to teach his people about marriage and about the place of, LG, of, his, of his LGBTQ children in the plan of salvation. And, and, and for some reason, people can't have a, uh, an imagination that's expansive enough to think that that could mean anything but gay marriage. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know what the Lord intends, but I know that he intends to teach us a lot more. And I am anxious to see what he has to teach us. And I am anxious to continue asking questions so that the Lord can, can, can continue to teach us. And so, so how does this happen? Like, how do we get this knowledge? And um, I love uh, in Acts chapter 10, this is, I think, one, one of the best examples of how the Lord taught, uh, taught his people and how he taught the church. There was a Gentile, Cornelius, who, who felt a prompting from the Holy Ghost. I think he might have even seen an angel uh, uh, inviting him to, to go meet with Peter, uh, who was the president of the church at the time. And Peter gets this revelation that he doesn't understand. He, a sheet is dropped with all these animals and, and he's told to go and eat these unclean animals. And so he sees this vision three times and he doesn't know what it means. And then he meets these Gentiles. And, uh, and as he's talking to the Gentiles, uh, he sees that they have received the Holy Ghost. And he says, if they've received the Holy Ghost, then what's going to keep them from, from being baptized? So he had had this revelation, but it wasn't until he interacted with Gentiles that he knew what it meant. And there's this, there's this, uh, important truth that that knowledge comes to us as we interact with people especially with people who are different and for whatever reason the law uh, at, at the time for jews was was that they couldn't interact with gentiles and because of that great knowledge was kept back from them because they weren't allowed to interact with them and once peter started interacting with gentiles he knew that they were just as worthy of receiving the gospel as the jews and sister eubank talked about this in her last general conference talk uh, and she said this uh, she said, this world isn't what I want it to be. There are many things I want to influence and make better, 
And frankly, there's a lot of opposition to what I hope for. And sometimes I feel powerless. And then she continued, we may not yet be where we want to be and we are not now where we will be. I believe the change we seek in ourselves and in the groups we belong to will come less by activism and more by actively trying every day to understand one another. Why? Because we are building Zion, a people of one heart and one mind. And this is a beautiful principle that as we get to know one another, we will receive revelation. We will build Zion and we will get to know one another's hearts and minds better. I'm teaching a class right now at BYU called Understanding Self and Others, uh, Diversity and Intersectionality. And the first uh, three, three weeks of class, we talk about how to have conversations with people who, who disagree with us and, and how to uh, build relationships with people who, who have very different views. And it has been really beautiful, especially as I have gotten the opportunity to, to practice these principles I'm trying to teach to my students. Um, and, and the truth is that we are in a very divided world right now, a world that, that's chaotic, and a world that is, is, is tearing relationships apart because of our different views. Uh, but if we will take time to listen to people who are different than, than us in, our, in their ways of thinking and their ways of approaching the world, uh, that's how we're gonna build Zion. And that's what Sister Eubank said. And uh, just building off of, of, of what happened in Acts chapter 10, in, in official declaration number two, uh, it lists some reasons why the revelation happened. And one of the things it says, just paraphrasing, is uh, that the brethren saw the faithfulness of black members from whom the priesthood was, was withheld. And so really it's interacting with people who are different that is going to give us uh, more knowledge. And so I wanna uh, just, just end by, by talking about the danger of a single story. Um, I ended, and uh, one of the last uh, chapters uh, in the very last chapter of my book, on one of the last pages, I, I write this request in my book, and this is what I wrote. I have one parting request. If you are tempted to give this book to an LGBTQ friend or loved one who has chosen to step away from the church, I would ask you to resist that temptation and pause for a moment. Instead of giving them my story, can you invite them to tell you theirs? Because my story is far from the only story and every story is important. So here on the PowerPoint, I have a picture of, of me and Charlie on a hike uh, last summer. And then I also have a picture of, of my friends from uh, the LGBTQ support group that, that I started in Tucson. And Diana, who's giving, who's gonna give the closing prayer, you know, is in the picture, she's wearing, wearing green. Uh, and she was there on, on the first day of, of our, of, uh, of, of the support group uh, as an ally. And, um, you know, my friends have very different and varied stories and, um, and I'm just so grateful uh, for, the, for the diversity that exists uh, in our community. Um, a, a few months ago, Nathan Kitchen uh, gave, gave us a Sunday school lesson here on dialogue. And I, I consider Nathan to be a friend. He's also a gay Larry Saint and we have very different lives and we've made very different choices. And yet I honor and respect the choices he has made. And uh, as much as he is happy, I wanna be happy with him. And I wanna just celebrate what, what he has done and what he has done with his life. And so, you know, I don't know um, what, what, what the future is going to hold for the, for the church or for any of us individually, but I know that God will give us revelation. He will increase our faith as we turn to him and that as we gain more confidence and do the things that he has guided us to do, uh, he will give us more things. And the, the, the phrase that really struck out to me as I was, as I was preparing this lesson, was that phrase where, where the brother Jared asked if God would send them to a choice land, a promised land, where never man had been before. And I thought, these are what my, my friends and I are trying to create. Uh, you know, a world that, that didn't exist decades ago, where you can be openly gay 
and you can be openly a Latter-day Saint. And what that's going to look like for each individual, I don't know, but I'm, I'm figuring out what it means for me. And I love that this promised land that never existed is existing now. And I, you know, I walk on the shoulders of giants of people who came before me and helped pave a path so that this is the world that I can live in. And hopefully the things that I'm doing and my friends are doing are paving a path so the people who come after I can live in an, an even better world and even better promised land. And I share that with you all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Um, I am struck in thinking about um, this kind of knowledge comes to us as we interact with others. And there have been some comments floating on chat about how the avail of unbelief uh, comes because we isolate ourselves and we're separated. And it's once we see connection, right, that we're able to overcome that and reach the promised land and, and answers. Uh, there's also, there was also a comment um, from Jody England Hansen, who she talked about, um, you know, that episode of seeing the finger of God and realizing that God was the same kind of being. Uh, and that, you know, from that experience, there's kind of this new life, this new world that's opened up. Um, to just through that understanding that God has is a being of the same nature. And it seems to me that that's what happens as we interact with each other, right? That we come to see that we all share uh, and with God, this, this same nature. And that if we're not doing that, then we're not able to um, kind of create uh, this new world together. Yeah, Rebecca, I, I think that's exactly right and, and, and really beautifully put. Um, you know, I, I have a friend, a very dear friend who, um, you know, I don't want to say what, you know, what the right thing to think is, but my, I have a friend who's a very avid anti-masker. And when we talk on the phone, she will tell me all these things that I do not agree with and do not believe. And I find myself getting angry and annoyed and just wanting to just cut her off. Just that's, that's my natural response. And yet this friend has been like so good to me and so loving and so kind. And now we have this, these very strong different beliefs about something that to, to both of us is very important. And I have found myself wanting to pull away from this friendship to avoid the discomfort of having very strong different opinions. And when I do that and I take a step back, I think no, I need to keep this relationship. Even if we disagree, even if she is telling me things that I don't believe, um, I still want this person in my life because uh, she has been so good to me. And uh, just, just one more story going off of that. When, when I was, I, I just got hired at BYU a little over a year ago in August of 2019. And a month after I got hired, uh, President Nelson spoke at BYU and he talked about LGBTQ issues. And all my colleagues in the honor code office, of course, knew I was gay. And, um, and after, after the, the devotional, one of them could tell I was, I was having a bit of a tough time. And we, we barely knew each other. I'd only worked there for a month. You know, we were, we were just new colleagues. He came to my office and asked me how I was doing. And, you know, I'm not sure he was used to someone at BYU talking about the pain of hearing a prophet speak. And he listened with me, listened to me and just sat with me for a good 20 to 30 minutes. And, you know, this new friend and, uh, and just listened to my story. And, you know, and I knew I could trust him. And I don't know if he agreed with what I had to say, but he listened. 
and uh, he's become a dear friend in you know the more than than year that that has that has come and gone since then. And you know there really is a lot of power in like Jody said, seeing people as as being like us. Like we are like we are divine, just like God is divine. And just allowing people to 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 be different and still respect them and love them and and include them. Thanks. Uh, I'll pull in this comment that fits with this. Um, from David Sandberg, it seems that each of us shies away in different ways from being able to make the journey of connection with those who differ from us. And God is saying in ether, we will stay in darkness until through the gift of his grace, we are willing to seek and make connections, um, which of course is the path that Jesus is showing to the brother of Jared. Yeah, and, and right now with all this division in our country, like it is more evident than ever if we are doing that or not like if we are reaching out to, to those around us or not. And you know what a great time that we have to, to really be intentional about including people and understanding people, especially those who think very differently than we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, there have been a number of qu questions, both on Facebook and here on Zoom about what about all the unanswered prayers? Um, it's hard to take kind of the joy and, and, and kind of celebrate that um, when we see others who are suffering and not, you know, getting their desires or their, or their questions answered. Yeah. So I never want to say to anyone, you know, oh, don't worry about it. Don't, don't feel pain right now because everything's going to make sense in the future. Uh, you know, I, I, I do believe that everything will work out. I don't believe that God has prepared a sad heaven or a sad future for any of us. Uh, but I also think it's okay to acknowledge the, the pain that exists now, that we're experiencing now. Uh, the analogy I often give is if, if you saw someone saying goodbye to a missionary at the airport and saying goodbye to their missionary daughter and, and crying, you wouldn't walk up to them and say, oh, don't be sad. She'll be back in 18 months and a eternal perspective will make this pain go away. Like that's ridiculous. And so if a prayer goes unanswered and that's painful, I think that that's okay. Um, and I, I don't really have much, much comfort to give except for the words I shared earlier from, from Elder Scott that if God isn't answering your prayer, it's because he trusts you and he trusts you to make the right choice. Uh, you know, I have, I have offered the prayer so many thousands of times for God to make me straight. You know, I, I thought that the atonement was supposed to make me straight. I thought that that's what Ether 1227 was about, that God would take this weakness of being gay and then turn it into the strength of being straight. And that is not what happened at all. You know, instead of changing my circumstances, like I asked him to, what God did is he healed my broken heart. And he took away the shame I was feeling, the shame I was experiencing, the self-hatred I was experiencing, and turned it into to, to love of myself and love of God and love of the people around me. And so sometimes I think God doesn't answer our prayers because we're already where we're supposed to be. Like we're already in the situation he wants us to be in. And sometimes that situation may not seem ideal, um, but he's placed us exactly where he wants us to be. So I, I don't really uh, have a, a good answer for unanswered prayers, except it's okay, to, it's okay for it to be hard. It's okay for it to be tough. It's okay to wonder. And sometimes God has put us exactly where we're supposed to be and, and, and our prayers aren't supposed to be answered the way we're asking. Yeah. So ben? That, that reminds me of um, this point that you highlighted at the beginning of your lesson where you brought out, you know, this long time you have cried unto me, that it's at, that, that there's this long, <laughs> this long period of crying. And then, um, 
And then they're able to build up to imagine something better than what they were asking for previously, right? Um, kind of over that period of pain and grappling with that, that sometimes that leads us to a new way of imagining. Um, and someone had, had observed on chat that, you know, maybe like your procrastination with writing your book, <laughs> um, you know, through that pain, through that, um, you know, not doing that, you had new insights and, and a new approach and were able to create what you were meant to create, um, you know, at a later period. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's such a kind and compassionate way to look at my procrastination. <laughs> Um, and okay, so a couple other comments that I think fit really um, beautifully in a couple different directions from um, what you just said. One is someone had observed that they've shifted from asking God to touch the stones um, to touching their heart. Um, and sometimes feeling like they don't have the right material in order to kind of move forward. Um, but that seems to fit with, you know, your experience that it's not so much like do this outside thing, but, um, but come into me and let me see this, uh, you know, anew and come up with new ways to, um, to uh, create. Uh, and then another comment um, about, we often have, uh, you know, folks are pushing back and saying, you know, you're not getting your answers, your desires, because you're not living right. You don't have the faith, right? Um, so how do you, how do we kind of reorient ourselves to uh, to put into play these lessons from from ether? Yeah, you know th that's a beautiful question, and I don't, I don't know. You know, I I don't know what each individual should do, and. I don't know. I think that's that's the wrestle that each each person has to do. You know, how do we make this work? How, how do we put these lessons into our lives? You know, I I wish I could just tell everyone what to do. No, I don't actually wish that, but it'd be nice. Um, but you know, all of my growth has come from these personal wrestles, and almost every every important insight I've had has come as as a friend of mine or a family member has just let me talk, and then as I'm talking or uh, that's when I'll say the thing that I need to hear. And so, you know, if you're trying to wrestle with something, if you're trying to figure something out, instead of asking someone like, well, what do I do? You know, I would find someone close to you who would just let you talk. And as you explore that, um, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a holy way, you know, I think that you'll end up saying the thing that you need to hear. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what anyone should do. <laughs> So one uh, request that we have, uh, if you wouldn't mind, is it, could you share a few of the questions from your book? Yeah, oh, I wish I had them, I wish I had it with me. Um, but they're questions like, uh, uh, the, the, the questions are listed in a way to kind of just follow the narrative of, of my life. So they're things like, were you born gay? When did you know you were gay? Is being gay a choice? Uh, why don't you marry a woman? Uh, have you ever acted on your feelings? And I start that chapter by explaining why that's a terrible question to ask, but it is a question that I do get asked. Um, let's see, uh, how, how, can, how are you happy single? Um, how do you plan to move forward with your life? Uh, thing, things like that. Mm -hmm. When the book comes out, all the questions will be listed on the back. Okay. So I think it's going to be a good book. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope this is your chance to plug. Yeah. Allow that. 
Yeah, and and the book is the book is geared towards straight members of the church uh, to understand the LGBTQ Larry Saint experience. And I, I purposely share stories of how straight people have helped me, so that anyone who reads it can get an idea of what they can do to to minister to their LGBTQ loved ones. Um, oh, one of the questions I really like that's in there is, um, what have you learned about agency? And I talk about my family and how they always honored my agency. Thank you. And my dad raised his hand. I don't know why, but he did. He doesn't, <laughs> but he's watching, that's nice. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Ben, for this beautiful lesson, for helping us um, think about how light comes into the world, um, often with us as co-creators of that light. Um, and then it often comes from listening and engaging with those um, around us, especially those who uh, are not like us. Uh, we will close today with a prayer which will be offered by Diana Nichols and hope you will join us tonight for our second Dialogue Fireside featuring Dr. Claudia Bushman, who will talk about Resurrection Month. Tonight's event starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The link is actually the same one that you used for this gospel study meeting. It will also be live on Facebook. And of course, we also hope that you will join us again for Dialogue Gospel Study next Sunday, November 22nd, with Dialogue Foundation Board member Daylin Amesi Meku, uh, who will be teaching our lesson. Uh, Daylin is also the chair elect for the BYU Black Alumni Society. She received her BS in exercise science from BYU in 2012 and works in ophthalmology. Raised in Miami, Florida, she and her husband and two daughters live in Boston. Diana Nichols, who is offering our closing prayer, is a second grade teacher uh, in Tucson, Arizona, who has been enjoying her choice of career so much that she decided to get a master's degree in teaching and teacher education. She loves to travel in better times whenever she gets the chance, whether it's to another state or another country. If she isn't working or traveling, she most enjoys spending time as the favorite aunt to her eight nieces and nephews. Diana is also a returned missionary who served in the Canada Halifax mission and outside of a global pandemic works as a temple worker in the Tucson, Arizona temple. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this opportunity we had to come together and to reflect on prayers we've been able to have with you and for the questions we've been able to have answered. We're grateful that we were able to also ponder on the things we've been creating and how to better create things in the future and how to be kinder to one another. And we ask a blessing on each of us this day that we will be able to continue this reflection throughout the day and ask a blessing on our Sabbath worship. Heavenly Father, we also ask a blessing on all of us and all of our family members during this time that we will continue to be safe and healthy. We love thee, Father, and we say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Should we